We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, please welcome Michelle Little with the songs of Patsy Cline. And our panel, Colin Buchanan, Wendy Harmer and Tommy Dean. And our audience this week from Canberra, the Central Coast, Coolie Wong, Wollongong, Mount Lewis and Palm Beach. But before all that, here, as usual, is the news from nowhere. Now, a young man is trying to cross the road. So naturally, I bring my car to a halt. You've done this. Uh, Nice guy, me. He signals his thanks as he begins to cross. Nice guy, him. What's interesting, though, is the manner of walking. He's walking incredibly fast across the zebra crossing, except he's not. His elbows are pumping back and forth like Usain Bolt in the 100 metres. The legs, however, are completely normal. He's walking at standard pace while his upper body is doing a silent movie enactment of speed walking. Later, I realise it's not just him. I do it as well. Every time I use a zebra crossing, I signal my thanks to the driver who stopped and then show I'm grateful by supplying a performance of walking fast. A piece in which I bob upwards and downwards on the balls of my feet while achieving quite normal rates of forward propulsion. Weirdly, in the supermarket, I do the exact opposite. I notice an empty checkout and then spot a fellow customer pushing an overloaded trolley. That's when we both start moving rapidly towards the goal while both looking like we are sauntering. The legs are going hell for leather while the upper body is completely still. It's like river dance. (laughs) It's not the only performance art we pack into the typical day. The men's urinal is practically a drama workshop. I walk in doing some man-on-a-mission acting. I just don't have time to make eye contact with anyone else in here. I take my position at the crowded urinal only to become fascinated with an individual bit of tiling just above head height. I stare at this piece of individual tiling as if it contains the secret of life itself. If you saw me in action, you'd think, now there's a man who is really, really, really interested in grouting. I I probably teach grouting at TAFE and have just noticed a technique I wish to copy. Why do we bother performing these works of art, these daily charades in front of people we'll never see again? Last week, I was in Martin Place, hurrying for an appointment. When I tripped, immediately I swivelled around and stared at the huge crack in the pavement that had caused my stumble. Actually, there was nothing there at all. Uh, My horrified facial expression said it all. The thing was the size of the San Andreas Fault. Really, the Lord Mayor should be called to account. Perhaps you also perform some daily charades. Perhaps you perform this one. If only I could find the lift button. 
That's a daily charade, a superb chamber piece performed regularly in an office building near you. The people in the lift can see you running towards them. You make eye contact. They're asking, can you please hold the lift with their eyes? And the person closest to the buttons does this fluttery thing with their hands, <laughs> like a toddler conducting an orchestra. Oh, it's as if they're saying, oh, I'd love to find the open door button, but alas, oh, the task is too complex. And their apologetic face, sorry, spotted through the closing doors, says it all. Here's another. Maybe you've performed this one. We're moving down the bus, is the title. This is surrealism at its very best. The driver orders people to move down the back of the bus and instantly the citizens of Sydney comply, picking up their bags and shuffling and grabbing hold of a different spot on the handrail, all without moving a centimetre from where they're currently standing. Here's another. I'm fascinated by your work life. Here's an intimate relationship drama with performances each night at about 6.30pm one person asks the other, so how was your day at work? And then nods appreciatively, appreciatively through the resulting monologue while remembering to say, really? And tell me more. Whenever they notice the speaker's lips have, started, have stopped moving for a minute. Uh, really, here's, another, here's the last one. Really, I insist on paying. Now, this is more akin to creative dance than drama. This involves a stunning flurry of activity, just as the waiter presents the bill. And a wallet is removed from pocket or purse. The body leans forward to ascertain the total. The fingers, meanwhile, teasing open the wallet or purse so there can be no delay in selecting the current number of notes. Next, the disappointment as the other person insists on, on paying. Now the tempo changes. What was hurried and insistent now becomes slow and, and hesitant. Are you sure? Oh, oh that's, that's too generous. I, I feel so bad I'm letting you pay. And ever so slowly, the wallet or purse <laughs> is reluctantly returned to its spot. Performances don't get much more intense than this. Now, back on the roadway, the young guy has given me a second wave of thanks as he finally arrives at the other side. And I do feel like applauding. Not since the young Marcel Marceau have I seen someone moving that fast with so little progress. And as I drive off, the thought strikes, really, we should introduce awards for the best acting in ordinary life. Anyone you know up for an Oscar? And that's the news from nowhere. <laughs> We have Colin, Wendy, and uh, and Tommy. Welcome. Hello. Uh, now, now, who? This is just to check you're up with this week's news. Yes. Who found themselves have, having to duck the Donald? Oh. Who ducked the Donald? I'm going to rustle my papers as if I'm preparing myself to yes. answer. Yes. <laughs> Rustling. Do you Rustling. Want preparing. Mm. Oh, look how busy I am! I must have spent all afternoon working on this. Mm. <laughs> Daily charade. <laughs> um, you going to make the call? <clears throat> call. No, I, uh, I've mentioned this before, but I, I think that, uh, you know, just for the future of world safety, off-tangent, but using the term, uh, we should get T-shirts for all Secret Service agents that say, duck for Donald. <laughs> <laughs> because your brother is actually a Secret Service agent. This is true. Is. Tommy's brother is a Secret Service agent and has to protect the president. In, in Washington. So he's in Washington? He's in Washington. No, 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 currently he's actually, I shouldn't say... Uh, but, <laughs> but let's just say he's a not so secret agent. <laughs> yes, that's no, right. No, he just uh, he just sent me a message. He's actually with uh, 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 President Obama uh, on his first holiday. So he gets guarded on his first oh, holiday. So he's yeah. in uh, he's in uh, Yamba, isn't he? No, Did he go to Yamba. 
He's got a van up in Yamba, I heard. No, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, it's Cooley Wong, actually. Yeah, Cooley Wong. It's lovely. You know, because you know, no one knows where it is. You know, no, that's right. You'd bump into him in the amenities block. Yeah. Barmer, yeah. Coal. But he was uh, scuba diving for, uh, you know, terrorists. Just, <laughs> that's just mate. what he was doing. Just in case they've got an underwater technology. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but oh, meanwhile, sorry. he wasn't yeah. there to protect, uh, protect Mr. Trumbull against oh. Mr. Trump. No, 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 no. It's, uh, this is why, and I think this is the problem. What we're talking about, of course, is the phone call. The famous phone call, phone call. Uh, the first official world leader conversation between President Trump and um, um, <laughs> President Trumbull. Turbull. And okay, just to Trumbull. explain, if you haven't Trump's heard this, ball. the White House spokesman got his name wrong twice when explaining what had Trumbull. happened. Trumbull. Kept on calling him Trumbull. <laughs> Which sounds a little like the lady in Matilda, actually. Yeah, you're Mrs. Trunchbull. Yeah, exactly. President Trumbull of Australia. Yeah, that's right. We have a significant and long-lasting relationship with uh, Austria and President Trumbull. Uh, Albania. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. We, we love their opera and their cakes. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That's right. But I think the first mistake was the old-school technology. I think that President um, uh, Trumbull... <laughs> mix and match... Uh, has uh, you know shown us that he is most effective in short bursts of Twitter rage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to expect him to hold attention uh, for what was you know originally supposed to be an hour long telephone call um, was going to be impossible. Yeah. Um, you can actually see it in some of the pictures in the White House, yeah. you know, of him just like holding the phone in that classic. You're not even quite sure if he's got the mouthpiece. In the right way around. Uh, He's even like twirling. He's like a teenager with a call from a guy she's not sure she wants to go out with. Twirling it, walking. Hold on a second, my mom's calling me. (laughs) So I have to go now. We can talk about that stuff later. I guess he's cool. Bye. I think you should keep his phone calls to 147 characters. 144. Oh, 139. (laughs) I did love it though, Richard, but I was listening to. I was driving along home the other day and there was a, um, a, 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 something came over the new ABC News and I thought, your parents never, ever heard this. And it said, um, uh, President Trump, the, you know, the President of the United States, just tweeted. And you think, there it is in the ABC <laughs> News. I mean, mum and dad never heard that. But really, um, I, um, I think that Donald Trump was actually right when he said that that uh, Manus and Nauru deal was the worst deal ever. It certainly is for the people who are on there, let's face it. <laughs> Who uh, set out for a tropical? He's stuck in a tropical hellhole with no prospect of release. But um, he's also very exercised by dual citizenship. Of course, this is an interesting. He's one. having a bit of a duel with the jewels. That's he? right. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about Trump, he sort of starts at duel and then goes on from there. Talk about multiple personalities, and they're all bastards, you know. And then, and then you've got the um, dual truths, okay, alternative facts. And you look at his head. His head. It's jewel, it's half human, half dead squirrel. <laughs> and um, I think actually, if I think about it, um, Trump should have been that truck driver in the mo- movie Duel. Because there's a whole lot of uh, countries right now who feel like Dennis Weaver and driving a 1970 Plymouth Valiant. That's what it feels like. But yeah, yeah Duel. I did, I did a bit of research actually, Wendy. Yes. And uh, there's 1,250 uh, detainees, yes. refugees. Yes. That's a Sydney. Suburban train at peak hour, eight cars. Mm-hmm. About that much. Yeah. You think, what, what's the fuss? You know, they can come to Sutherland Shire. We'll have them. You know, <laughs> it's a great spot and they're welcome. You know, like it's not going to 
crowd anyone yeah. out. So, yeah. uh, and I think... Haven't they been through enough, Colin? Yes, exactly. <laughs> to have to go to Heathcote. Exactly. A bit of compassion would be nice. <laughs> Just a bit of compassion. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. That, therein lies the problem. That, that, that yeah. d- the way people treat the Shire is terrible. And, I think, <laughs> and that's on record. And if you're listening to the podcast, you know, it's we, forever. We have Colin Buchanan, who is from the Shire. He's got a new record out called Calvary. Calvary, as in Calvary Cross of Road. Calvary. Calvary Road. Road. And we have Tommy Dean with us, who is on at Luna Park tonight at the new comedy festival. At the new comedy hey. room. And we have Wendy Harmer, who you can hear on morning. Yes, he's been up for 12 hours. Oh, you Second question from this week. Who, who made a... a... Terrific to be here. Yes, it's right. great. It's wonderful to be here. Who great. made a heartfelt donation to a cause he cared very, very deeply about? This is a really weird one, you know, because um, Malcolm Turnbull said he donated... million to the Liberal Party, which is, he said, Lucy and he were very generous and they said they donated their money to the Liberal Party. I've got to tell you, really, if I had a lazy 1.7 mil, I would look down the list of things that I could donate to and I pretty much would be putting uh, the Liberal Party, any political party actually, pretty much stone motherless last. I mean, in fact, I'd rather um, give money to the Orchid Society of New South Wales. That would be a good one. That would be further up my list. Gee, they, could the use one, thing... they could use 1.75 mil, well, couldn't they? they? The Orchid, they've been struggling. The good they... thing is you can go to an Orchid show <laughs> and you can buy a bag of compost, yep. but that doesn't mean you have to back them in a pre-selection deal <laughs> in North Sydney or the Manly Biolex. The Orchid Party. <laughs> That's right. Orchids, Colin, what you... For all Australians. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. What do you think of the great generosity that uh, um, Malcolm has shown to Malcolm? Well, well actually, <laughs> when that came up, I, yeah, that's nice. I, I did want... Actually, I was going to do a straw poll, which is... Uh, but I don't know whether people want to reveal this. But I just wonder who has donated to a political party. Not, we don't have to give it away, but has anyone donated? Just, well, you just got to see, are there any property okay, developers is he, is he, in is the, the room? Orchid, <laughs> is the Orchid Society Because <laughs> well, he, he sort of says everyone donates to political parties and it was, you know, I've got a bit of money, so I donated to the... And I, and I was just... I, I've bought sausages from the Scouts <laughs> on election day, but that's about as close as I've got to donating to political parties. But I did do, do a bit of research when it came up and I thought, well, who's given the most? He has. And the next one is... Paul Marx, who gave 1.3 mil to the Liberal Party of Australia. But then I went dredging, because it's all online, you can discover. At 2,455, Richard Glover, your name comes up, $13.70 in January January of last year to the Free Beer Party. (laughs) And then then uh, 4,223 is an R Glover, I think it's the same person, $8.66 in June of 2016, Pay for Puns Party. And then, Mr. T. Dean, this is 10,943 political donation, uh, $4.80, and then it's got after it a note, it turned out to be an Aldi docket. <laughs> so, so that's all online, you can check that. Well, I remember, I remember when I made the donation, because I was very specific, uh, could you please give me the 20 cents back? <laughs> Oh, really? So I needed the 20-cent coin so my daughter could put it in that little thing that goes round and round and round. <laughs> she loves that thing. 20-cent pieces are the best. Do you think he should donate to it? Some people say it's like an Australian, he's buying the election, and other people saying, well, he's just putting his money where his mouth is. Yeah, I think it's fair, I guess. I have never in my life thought about giving a million dollars away. <laughs> 
And to be fair, I have lottery dreams. I think a lot of us, whenever they, you hear the word lotto, you have a little 10 or 20 hour daydream about what you would do with that much money. And, and Wendy's right. Never in any of my daydreams <laughs> does it occur to me. Yes. If I won lotto, I could give the money to Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, you really... can dream, you <laughs> foolish thing. But even when they talk about the grassroots, you know, I, I don't see it as much here that I'm aware of. But in America, always during the elections, there's always the idea of everybody sending $5 and so many emails about campaign fundraising. There's so much time and energy. And I, even my mother does, and, I, and it makes me angry. Yeah. That, uh, that she would do that when I am quite clearly more in need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, can I ask a naive question? Uh, which is, do you have to be really, really rich to be successful in politics? Like, do you have to be really rich? Because, I mean, is, was Obama a really rich, like it seems like a humble, generous sort of spirit? Yeah. But was he really, really well, he rich? Was and a you well can placed, only... He was a well-placed Chicago lawyer, I guess. I see. So, yeah. you do, so rich does help. Um, yeah, so no, you're, I'm just asking a naive question. Your plans just... to run for office? Are, uh, are, yeah, are in the toilet, basically. Who has counselled herself not to take on the councils? Wendy Hummer. Oh, well, uh, a lot on uh, the Premier's plate this week, very this, much. This is so. about Gladys Berejiklian? Yes, of course. Of course, um, whether she's able to, they were saying, unpick some of the things that uh, she's already done. And Well, first off, we should have a look at that uh, cabinet reshuffle, though, mm-hmm. with... Uh, Adrian Pickley, that was very interesting. But, oh, you know, he was a very, very popular education minister. But actually, as far as that went, look, I thought it was terrific to see the Premier is a traditionalist who believes in the very long-standing protocol that should a person in New South Wales Cabinet have a particular area of expertise or demonstrate any natural acumen for a portfolio... Under no circumstances <laughs> should they be allowed anywhere near that particular portfolio. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's very good that she's a tradi- traditionalist there. Because she also got rid of, well, not uh, got rid of, but she moved Rob Stokes, Rob Stokes. who actually does know a bit, about, a bit planning, about planning, out of planning. Moving. I think this is a good idea, though, because what it is is that so often we complain that uh, the people with the portfolio don't seek expert advice, and uh, now, because we had experts in their position, they had no one they could ask. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm now the now. person in charge could be like, hey, Rob, I was just wondering, <laughs> where would you put the hospital? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, uh, you know, if we're talking about um, Gladys unpicking a few of uh, Mike Bear's decisions, it's going to be a bit difficult because it's not going to be that easy in the case of the Anzac figs, is it? I mean, I just don't envy Gladys sitting there for a few days with some super glue and a pile of wood chips. Yeah. <laughs> That's not ever going to be good. And in the case of the Northwest Rail Tunnel, she's going to need an actual pick to make it that tiny bit bigger so that double-decker trains can go through it. Richard. There was so that slight problem with the She certainly got a job ahead of her. I thought she'd fill it in. Like, I'd, I wondered how far back they'd go, yeah. you know, to what, what do you overturn, like, figs is good, or Patrick's could come back to Barangaroo if yeah, they yeah. just, you know, yeah. r- return it. <laughs> I thought of another one, like, bring back the original Wiggles and, um, <laughs> and let Barry O'Farrell keep the wine. Come on. He's <laughs> a <laughs> Come on, mate. And water and under the do bridge. Do you mate. honestly believe water that hasn't the... been drunk by now? <laughs> water under the bridge, mate. Come well, uh, now we have Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean, and Colin Buchanan with us. Now, Oscar Wilde. Sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Wait, 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 I don't mean uh, to interrupt. What happened to the weather? Yes. He's away. So there is none. Can, can't Tommy make it up like the Wheel of Death? Okay, Tommy, can you make up uh, the It's going to be slightly overcast, and then it's going to blow heaps of stuff in your pool. <laughs> 
at last, that's, that's what it feels at last, like. it feels a, like. a forecast that yeah. is common The wind sense. will not come up until you clear the pool the first yeah. time. The stuff we care then about. Then gusts at up to 30 to 50 kilometers an hour will replace what you just took out. That's right. Yeah, and doors will slam. And doors will slam. Yeah. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a hot weekend. Is it? Yeah. Okay. okay. Does it, will that do? That's all right. Thank you very much. Okay, back live now. Sorry, but my question was, because it was a glorious song, glorious song um, from the news. Um, But I spent most of my life growing up listening to country music because my mother loved it, but uh, we always cleaned the house while listening uh, to the music. Uh, So mostly country music to me without a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound quite right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I also have did, realized... Did you have, that, any, did you have an urge there to, no, no, to but get I, up no, and... That was my first thought. was I, you know, where's my dust brush? Well, um, actually, Celine Dion is my um, housekeeping music of choice. But I've noticed, what I've noticed is like, that when I, these, these country artists come on this show and I mm. hear the lyrics, and I, I'm starting to think country music is sad. Hmm? Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It seems so you sad. Know, uh, and I also take from that song that I think maybe men have not treated women as well as they should have. <laughs> But you've got, you've got one of Australia's leading country music songwriters, Colin Buchanan. Yeah, and, why, and that's why I ask him, yeah. why are you so mean to women? Well, exactly. Because <laughs> you get good songs out of it. Oh. No, no, no. No, no, that was re- actually written by Willie Nelson. And the legend goes, I was discussing this with Michelle earlier, I said, you know, Willie wrote that song and, and he sold the publishing for 100 bucks. Yeah. And then it went on to be a massive hit. He was short of cash, and so they gave. But she'd heard fifty bucks, so probably that's a sign that the story may not be true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's. But, but uh, why, yeah. why? Why is country music so sad? I mean, I've heard. Uh, you know, you you know, I, yeah. I love your music, but some of the songs do suggest that there's a drought on, and people have to shoot their sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're so so uh, I I I love the, the lyrical reflection of uh, of life, and uh, you know, be it be it the bush or be it Dylan. But there are good years. About... There are good years in the sheep business. That's right, Colin. No, you can write. I mean, it. why can't you write a song about uh, you know suddenly uh, wool is back in favour? We've got rid of the stockpile, and we're actually making a bit of money for a I've change. I've written a few upbeat songs about <laughs> um, you know, like some people actually enjoy shooting sheep, and, and I mean, no, 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 that's awful. That's awful, and I apologise to no, our rural listeners. Because uh, that sounds awful. But, That's um, a song that I want to hear. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. I know Cullen. Tommy. I'm Cullen. Sheep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no, not at all. But uh, you know, I think it was C.S. Lewis said it's much much easier to write a villain than a uh, hero. Sure. So you know, maybe, maybe there's something in that. But uh, you know, I'd hope that people aren't too despondent listening C.S. to my C.S. Lewis said and... that he said that, by the way. But Willie Nelson wrote that too. Yeah, Willie Nelson <laughs> got ten bucks from C.S. Lewis <laughs> for a. T- hey, here's it wasn't C.S. Lewis. Hey. It was. Uh, can I be a bit pretentious here? It was Milton. Was it Milton? Yeah, Milton said that Satan was easier to write than God when he was writing Paradise Lost. Oh, great. So, you, so I just throw that out. And most of the circles I mix, mix in, no one would ever, like literally no one I meet would ever say it was actually Milton. And, uh, and I tell you, what, Milton on the South Coast? You know, that's sort of pretty much, that's my world, mate. But this leads nicely back to Oscar Wilde. Yeah, which brings us back to Oscar Wilde, yeah. who was among... By the way, listeners, you haven't turned to Radio National. <laughs> this is 702, surprisingly. We've got an audience member from Palm Beach. What do you mean? Right. <laughs> now, Oscar Wilde was among more than 50,000 gay men posthumously pardoned in the UK this week under a new uh, law covering crimes that no longer exist. They're pardoning them all. For what did you receive punishment under the statutes of the time for which you now demand 
to be pardoned. Wendy Harmer. Most of mine, Richard, uh, were fashion crimes of the 80s. Mm. <laughs> they, uh, they were criminal in the sense that they just weren't fashioned by any lawful definition before or since. Now, I'll give you a few examples. Shoulder pads mm. uh, that was in any garment that made you look like a wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> then I used to wear sweatbands on the wrist because I was so intolerably hot and then leg warmers around the calves for any sweat that was trickling down my leg. So that was a top look. Um, I wore those fluoro clothes that made me look as if I'd been sent out to change a tyre by the NRMA. That was lovely. There was so much ombre. Now, if you don't know what ombre is, certain uh, class of lady will, but these are clothes that fade from one colour to another. And I, I swear this is true. I had a long Laura Ashley frock that was sort of brown at the bottom and then went through various shades of green and had a bodice on the top embroidered with leaves. Mm. So spot the obvious mistake. (laughs) I looked like a tree. (laughs) People actually leaned their bicycles against me (laughs) and dogs would chase me down the street. Birds would settle on your head. (laughs) Then there... (laughs) Then there were those hyper-colour T-shirts. That, you remember those that oh, changed yeah. colour? When uh, people put their hands on them? Yeah, that was going to So here's a bit of advice. Don't wear one on the bus if you don't want to be molested by 35 people before lunchtime. That's pretty much that. And I also went through a bit of a preppy phase in the 80s. You know those ones where you tie your jumper around your shoulders? And, you know, and then tie your ankle, your socks around your ankles because that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Just put your jumper on, mate. But, yes, yeah, so I would like to be pardoned for You're, all You are here, henceforth pardoned. Do we pardon her? Please, yeah. thank you. You are pardoned, much. Wendy Harmer. Tom, Tommy the, problem, the problem with hypercolour, as I recall, it was a weird technology because we had a lot, we kids, we loved it. We loved the idea of it. And you buy it in the store and you touch, 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 and it would change colours. It was so amazing. And then as soon as you put it in a dryer, it would kill it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. All the hyper would go out of the it's colour. Because I was wondering where are they t-shirt. gone? Why why are they gone? But that's why. That's why they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it. Already gone. It was and like the, early Teflon. Just yeah, couldn't. Just couldn't. And, yeah. and that's <laughs> and women had you know launched. Lawsuits. Lawsuits. All up and down the world, all over the globe. It was the reason for the women's movement. That's right, (laughs) it was. Microwave cookbooks. Let's get right to it. Microwave cookbooks. That was uh, the idea that coming off the back of hypercolor was the idea in the 80s that the microwave was going to save the kitchen. You could cook anything in a microwave. You could. You could put a roast in there if you didn't want to eat it. (laughs) (laughs) It was good. It was good. If you wanted to throw it at an ATM and That's rob right. the ATM. Football, put a roast in the microwave, yeah. boom, sports yeah. in 60 minutes. <laughs> and when they did come out, it, there was a sort of common play lunch discussion about what did you put in, we got a microwave, what did you put in there, you know, and, and various household items and small <laughs> living things. Oh, oh, oh no! Colin, first you're shooting sheep, no. and now you're putting yeah. animals in microwaves. I, I, What's I wrong thought, with you? When you talk about shooting sheep, I thought that was the lowest bar, <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> the pun party, $8.66. $8.66. Yeah. <laughs> well worth it. Colin, sorry, Tommy, what do you want to... But what, I, want to, what, I, what I really want posthumously put down is I, my, I've never scored 100% on any school test ever, uh, but the one time that I studied... Uh, I studied strongly in grade four, uh, and the only question I got wrong uh, related to a so-called planet called Pluto, because I failed to note that it was a planet. Turns out now I should get extra credit. Yeah, exactly. Posthumous extra credit. 
Because they've abolished it. Knowing it was not a planet. Actually, Tommy, Tommy, it's been reinstated. It has not been reinstated. No, it has not. (laughs) Dwarf planet is not a planet. Oh, well, you know. um, (laughs) Entirely different. Secondly, I would also, I got detention because, and I was again ahead of my time, uh, one of my favorite things to do in that science class uh, was to uh, pronounce the uh, the planet Uranus, Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. which at the time was not in vogue, uh, which would make my teacher say, no, it's Uranus. <laughs> too much time they go, oh yeah. no, it's Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> so many hours of my life in detention yeah. for that joke. Yeah. Does he get pardoned? Posthumous, I was right. Pardon? Uranus. Yes. Uranus. Uh, we're pardoning. Uh, Colin Buchanan, what do you want to be pardoned for? Uh, well, I thought uh, apologies would be nice, and I, I've got some sad sort of fireside country. And I, so I bought harmonicas because oh. I thought, you know, just that sort of lonesome fireside sound yeah, so would be nice. Out, so I thought the panel could play Tommy a harmonica, and, and uh, yeah, you got to take it out of the case, there, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> so I thought you'd if you'd, if you'd, be, if you'd <laughs> been to Tamworth, you'd, uh, you know. So we just need and a bit of lone, but a sort of more, more lonesome. Uh, I like uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one. And uh, so, uh, oh. all right. Oh, you can't get it out of the case. Oh, That's all right. We'll just we'll just bang it on the table up to the news. But my mate. son's a harmonica player. And if he hears me on the radio playing a harmonica very badly, well, just, play, he just will, play lonesome. And it's, he will you put me. your hand over it and do that old okay. thing around the camp. <laughs> Mrs. Burley caned oh. me in year six. Go, I need a, a bit of fun. She did nothing illegal. I'm stronger for it. But Kevin Lanine started it. Mrs. Hudson pulled me out of marching at Jubilee Oval just as my mum arrived to watch. Miss O'Brien made me pick up a hundred papers at lunchtime, risking infection and blood poisoning. And I don't know how many times the tuck shop ladies... What's, got, what's happened to those harmonicas? I don't know how many times the tuck shop ladies got my order wrong. <laughs> just say sorry... Just say sorry It'd mean a lot if you would just say sorry Harmonica My HSC ranking suffered dreadfully Because so many students were just plain better than me And I'd like an apology for that I'd like the inventors of maths and science curriculums That include stupid stuff like algebra and chemistry To apologize to me In fact, I'd like them to say Sorry Sorry I'd like them all just to say sorry. I got a third verse, but I feel like this is burning itself out a little. <laughs> you so I'm just going to pull out here. Hey, boys, hitch up the wagon. We're heading into town. <laughs> nothing can pardon that harmonica play. Oh, damn it, stuck. Oh, no. <laughs> I, can, I can see why people beat people up for playing these. <laughs> Hey, are we ready for the Wheel of Death? The Wheel of Death. When our audience came in here at 5 o'clock, they threw some random topics onto this chocolate wheel. Today's topics, as suggested by our studio audience, are Halal Halal Snack Pack, Kindergarten, Peanut and Butter and Beetroot, Wild Plants, Sunshine, Camels, Milk, Echidna, Mustard, Mud, Thin-Skinned, Airlines, Magpie, Rooster, and we're back to Halal Snack Pack, oh, which yeah. fools you full of fear, Tommy Dean? Well, I've never had one, so uh, halal snack pack frightens me. Ha- haven't you had one? I have not they're, had one. They're, they're delicious. They sound delicious. Yeah. So it's basically a layer of chi- a very big layer of hot chips mm. with kind of uh, that uh, meat on top, 
and then lots of gravy and sauce. And, and, yeah, 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 and chili. Oh, chili, yeah. Chili sauce, yum. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that I'm against it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it. It was one of the suggestions of the word of the year. Yeah. No, it's one of the few things that I've seen people eating where I thought, that might defeat the plastic fork. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's certainly a large serve. Yeah. Okay, round and round and round it goes where it stops, nobody knows. Okay. The topic for Tommy Dean to take on, on the Wheel of Death, is... Oh, hurry up, get on with it. Yeah. Oh, when did the wheel get so spinny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you know? Halal snack pack. No way. This was not rigged, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Tommy Dean. Well. It's something you eat late at night after a few days. No, I thought it, it feels. What I, what, I, what I love about it. Here's what I love. Here's what I know. Uh, first off, uh, I eat a halal snack pack every day. Alternative fact. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I may have made a suggestion earlier that I have never had one, and what I meant to say was I never not have one. Uh, I'm having one right now as I, as I do this show. Uh, the secret, here's what I think the secret is. I think what's joyful about the Halal Snack Pack is it is everything that is good about immigration in a box. <laughs> Because you have French fries. French fries, uh, we have the potato, which was invented by the Irish. Yeah. Uh, and the fried. South, Americans, South Americans might have had a little bit to do. And uh, which, I was getting to that. <laughs> which they perfected, but the South Americans made tiny potatoes. That was because South Americans were tiny people. You might remember that all South Americans <laughs> were only two foot tall. Uh, so they had little baby potatoes. But it took the Irish to take them back to Ireland and put them in proper peat. And then they grew potatoes the size of which was unknown at the time. Yeah, apparently Milton had something to do with that. <laughs> the nine rings of hell are an ode to the Halal snack pack. Yeah. Like in terms of what it, you know, how oh, you I eat can't. it down. It's the nine rings of joy. Uh, that's, oh, really that's, what that's a poem by Milton, is it? No, I think, no. I, I think. Okay. Is it? I thought Where they were only... Dante, dear. Oh! And I thought there were only seven, weren't there? Or is that planets? <laughs> oh, now I'm just Uranus. Depends on whether you include Uranus. <laughs> That's right. If you include Uranus, which, for the Halal Snack Pack, you must. <laughs> it is a vital component <laughs> of the processing system. <laughs> That is what is so great about it. So we had the potatoes, uh, which we, you know, come from South America, uh, perfected by the Irish, fried by the French. Yep. It, is, it, is, it is the world in potato represented. But that's just a base. The potato is a base, and the, the, the potato is a root vegetable of the earth. It is what we stand on. And then, and then we take a meat. And a lot of people like to define their meat as specifically from a certain kind of animal. But this meat defies that. <laughs> They suggest uh, an area of the farmyard it may have walked through. <laughs> but by the time it has been so thoroughly melted, potted together into a perfect tube, and the meat of the tube represents the cylinder that the earth spins yes. on, <laughs> heated by the sun of humanity itself, slowly shaved. You never know what's in the middle. That's the best part. You shave it down, shave it down. Each layer giving a layer of mystery and excitement <laughs> to each bite. This is placed on top of the earth. But as if that mystery wasn't enough. It's not enough. Then, is there anything more mysterious than the giant white squeezy bottle in a takeout shop? <laughs> the color of the little 
pointy tip lid sometimes gives a suggestion of what might come out, but really it just hints at the color so it doesn't look too groppy on the top. That's <laughs> why <laughs> the colors match. Mustard has yellow, so the little mustard ball sticks to the similar color. Uh, but that, 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 that perfect. And then what I like is the guy that does mine uh, on a daily basis that I have every day, like I said. Uh, two-handed. Two-handed. Yeah. And then what I like is, and I don't know if this is in every shop, he writes... Uh, a, a magic word. It's like a, it's like a Harry Potter spell. Yeah. He writes a word in sauce yeah. on the meat. And yeah. then that magic infuses itself down into the meal. Yeah. Into the right. earth. Into the earth. Yeah. Through the, us. So we are, this is the whole thing. You have the earth, and then the meat represents humanity, yeah. and then the sauce represents all of spirituality, yeah. Yeah. bringing yeah. it all together. Yeah. And then the box, the box represents the soul. Yeah. Holding it all together. Yeah. And then the plastic fork represents helplessness. Yeah. <laughs> That's the flawed nature of humanity. The nature of yeah. humanity. Yeah. And then the napkins come in later. Yeah. Uh, so that's the human condition right the there. The human condition yeah. all in one. And of which Milton did right. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> and, that's right. And Dante referred to occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, right. Does he does he survive? Right. Yeah. 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 Surely he does. I'm thank God it's Friday. With Richard Glover. Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean, Colin Buchanan, and our wonderful audience. Thank you for coming. I now, I couldn't help thinking, Richard, that uh, then late at night and you drop your halal <laughs> snack pack on the footpath and it becomes a country and western song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I'd, write, I'd write a song about that. No worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, a moment. The, the term extreme vetting has yep. been in the news this week. If you could use extreme vetting against people who share your city, share your workplace, share even your family, mm. what sort of people and what sort of behaviours would you extreme vet mm. out of existence? Wendy Hummer. Well, I think perhaps um, radio hosts that uh, know that I start work at, at 6.30 in the morning and yet keep me here all day on a Friday oh, so that I've... Ha- no, moving on. Uh, look at home. I'd extreme vet anyone who sneaks out of the kitchen while the roast meat is resting on the bench, as it's yeah. supposed to do, and just... Pinches all the little bits of uh, crunchy and an extra helping of crackling. Who your, are your, these? Your people? husband is a bad man. Oh, shock. I, I think it's un Australian. Yeah. And <laughs> if Pauline backs that, I might almost know. I actually, no, I actually did not say that. I'll tell you who I like to extreme bet. This pinhead from the Pilbara from the One Nation. David Archibald, who said that single mums are, and this is the quote, did you see this? Too lazy to attract and hold a mate. He also described single motherhood as a lifestyle choice and suggested defunding the disability support pension and uh, childcare payments. And what I would do to extreme vet him, I would hold up a mirror and say, (laughs) mate, if this is the choice that women in the Pilbara (laughs) have to make, no wonder they are staying single. Tommy Dean, who, you, who do you want to extreme bet? I, I can't even get it. It just seems like a, it's, I don't even know what it means. It, like when I first started hearing the term, I just thought it meant you know people that had served their country in a really good way. Yeah. Extremely yeah. vetting as, him out. As, as a veteran. Extreme yeah. vetting. I'm extremely yeah. vetting. I'm at the RSL every day, all day. <laughs> That's right. 
Or it could mean you take them down to the vet and they get checked for fleas. Yeah. 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 Dog as well. Totally clipped. Oh, I'm clipped totally. Yeah. Yeah. Flea. It sounds like, because it just feels like America. I think the problem with extreme vetting is the idea that America has actually kind of turned, uh, we, we don't ask enough questions is the problem. I think we've turned life into a bit of a speed dating uh, sort of scenario. Where, you know, So, what's your name? Will you sleep with me? Done. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else in between, we'll work that out. Compromise. Why don't you just shorten that? To make it more snappy, like, lie down, I think I love you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just think I think I have a hard time. <laughs> I don't want to extreme vet. I, I like I like the sort of shallow nature of most human interaction. I you know I like your guy on the on the crosswalk just giving a little wave. I don't want to extreme vet him. Where are you going? Why did you cross now? Why did you make me stop? Yeah. Yeah. When you get to where you're going, you're going to do something worthwhile. Yeah. Should I have just left you on that side of the road? Maybe you should just go home. <laughs> Who are you to cross to this side of the... You know you're in a new suburb now? Are you allowed in this suburb? <laughs> that's it. Well, that's your Donald Trump right there. I know, but does it seem... It seems like just like, go. Just go do what you do. Do you want to... Do you want to extreme... I don't want to... Like, like no. my, I have a barista, my favorite barista. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been going to this uh, particular coffee shop for my whole life, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know his name. I have not extreme vetted him. For all I know, he spits at my coffee every day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Our entire life for a decade has been... Hey, mate, how you doing? Hi. Good. Still a latte? You betcha. Bye. Done! <laughs> and what, you've been going there for so long, you feel you now can't say, what's your name? Well, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a bad way. He's a lovely fellow, but I just, we, our life is so short, and he's yeah. got other customers, and yeah. I say, and quite often he's talking to someone like they're friends, and I don't want to, you know, get in the way of that. Yeah. You no, know, maybe nice. I'm. That's what true. happens if I find out that I really like this guy a lot, and then I've got to, you know, make room for him in my friendship circle, which is already <laughs> yeah. quite tight. Yeah, yeah. If he doesn't spit in your coffee yet, he will after he hears this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's part of, I just think it's part of humanity. I think that, you know, you don't, you don't extreme vet, and that's what makes us all get along yeah, so yeah. well. Like, I, you know, hang out with gamers a lot. And, uh, again, same thing. I've had circles of people that I've gamed with for many years, and my wife, who is an extreme vetter, uh, <laughs> Surprising, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, why? She clearly <laughs> developed this past when she should have. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but she, but she's always, you know, she's constantly, you know, so uh, what's Neil do for a job? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Neil does. I'm not worried about their day-to-day -day lives and travails. Here's what I know about Neil. He likes the color black if it's available to play with. If not, he prefers green. Uh, he's weak with tactical choices, but occasionally his strategy is strong. He's dangerous <laughs> in war games, but on thinking games, terrible. <laughs> That's what I know about Neil. But in the breaks in the game, don't you say... Uh... You know, how, how are you going? Uh, is work good? Is your marriage good? Neil? Anything worrying here? Are you, Neil, are you going through any personal travails? No, you? what we say is, have you played that other game? Do you like that game? Does it have black pieces in it? I like that game. <laughs> we should play that game sometime. I'm pretty good at that game. I'll help you with that game. Like, I've talked to him, I called him today to explain a game. Uh, and then I had some math homework trouble with my uh, friend, uh, with my daughter last night, so I called him because he's Arabic, so I think he knows math. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, they invented numbers, so I assume. Yeah. That's what I know. I know he's, uh, he's, he's originally uh, Arabic, and his people invented numbers. Well, they say a lot of scary things have come out of the Middle East, and I agree. Algebra. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but my point is, uh, I think it's a dangerous idea. I think it's a terribly dangerous idea, because we also know that people will lie. It almost feels like what they want to say, well, you know, oh, you're coming from another country. You want to come to America. Uh, the only question we really care about is, uh, are you going to blow it up? <laughs> That's really the only question they need to ask. Do you plan on blowing us up? No. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
Second question, do you know how to make a halal snack pack? Yeah, perfect. Love that because stuff. they're delicious. Love it. Come on in. Uh, <laughs> Colin Buchanan. I, I did think, I thought the extreme vetting was like, you know, implants for dogs or crossing fish with, uh, with <laughs> rabbits, you know. So, uh, but then, uh, yeah, but I know I'm quite angry about a number of things. Like when they squash bread at our place, uh, when they leave frozen peas out of the freezer and the dishcloths in the greasy water overnight, what do we want? Uh, when the tradie in the ute sits on your tail, swings up the inside, cuts in front of you, placing everyone's lives at risk, then winds down the window at the, at the lights and to you and your kids gives you the old bird. What do we want? Uh, when our Prime Minister cops a cripple nipple, Chinese burn then gets daxed on a 25-minute phone call to our old mate, the President of our lifelong ally, the United States, with whom we fought alongside in uh, two conflicts. What do we want? It's time we were getting. Do it again. Do it after the news. We are not going to do up to the news because we've got to do the winners and losers of the week. Who were they? Wendy Harmon. Oh, well, it's Malcolm Turnbull. He's been both the winner and the loser of the week. You know, he's a winner. He's on the phone to Donald Trump up there with Russia and China and then he gets hung up on and he's a loser. What do we want? (laughs) And he's a winner because he pays 1.75 million and he gets elected and then he's a winner and then he gets nagged by Corey Bernard and trolled by Tony Abbott and he's a loser. (laughs) So it's not good. Tommy Jen, who were the Winners and losers. Look, I think the big winner is us. Uh, Yahoo News. Yahoo News. Thankfully, in a world of so much sad news, uh, Yahoo is still where I click when I want to find out who Sam Frost is dating. <laughs> she's found a new man. Oh, wow. Thankfully, thank God. Lost her radio show. Lost her boyfriend. But now she's got a Navy diver, and that's hang on a minute. This has come as a bit of a bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you need to click on Yahoo News. Oh, I do. This it's is the shock. news that makes you say Yahoo. How, how come I'm the last to know? That's. <laughs> Please thank Wendy Hammer, Yay! Tommy Dan, and Colin Buchanan. Next week, Tim Ross, Tommy, and Jennifer Wong put the TJF page into your search engine to grab your free tickets and find the free podcast. Until then, I'm Richard Glover, and thank Hello, God, snack. it's Friday. What do we want? Extreme! Extreme! And garlic sauce.